0: That week's parsha, exploring new insights and meaning in the Torah. And it's wonderful as we begin our journey through Bar to welcome Rabbi Alex Kress, who serves the Beth Shir Shalom community in Santa Monica. Rabbi Alex is passionate about innovating Jewish practice and making Judaism fun and meaningful. And Rabbi Alex has graduated from Temple University with a Bachelor of Arts in Jewish Studies. And following that, was at a hebrew union college jewish institute of religion i've come to know some of rabbi alex's fantastic source sheets on safaria you are a fantastic coffee lover if i'm not mistaken and <laughs> love an actual physical newspaper and sadly This is only an audio, but your background is, your study background in Santa Monica is also magnificent. Rabbi (laughs) Alex, a huge welcome to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So, we launch this week, Bar Midba, which is known, of course, in the English as Book of Numbers, I think originally really a Latin translation referring of course to the census that God instructs Moses at the beginning of of the sedra and then also at the very end of Bar-Midba as well but of course the more direct translation of Bar-Midba in the desert what do you think is the best way for Bar-Midba to be known
1: <laughs> definitely the hebrew Direct translation, wilderness or in the desert. I think it's a much more thematic title for the book uh, as we go forth through Bamidbar through the book of Numbers. And even in our portion this week, we open up with the census that Numbers takes its inspiration from. But by the time we're on the back end of it, we're learning about kind of divine service and how we can create space for God to exist. And, and it's two sides of, what, of the same coin, right? There's this human part that we can control, we can count, we can organize. But the back end is this part that remains out of our control, that divine service is not always exactly what we expect. And the wilderness is certainly not what we expect. So I much prefer Bamidbar in the wilderness or in the desert as a translation of this book.
0: And just quickly on between desert and wilderness... What do you draw from there, and do you have a preference, and if so, why?
1: I think both have their benefits. Wilderness seems broader, desert a little more specific, but I think both have a element of the unknown, of the uncertain, of scariness. And desert, feels, if anybody's been to Israel or Sinai, been in that landscape, it feels like a desert. (laughs) So perhaps that's a more literal or closer to reality translation. But I think wilderness also really encompasses that fear, the uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen and needing some faith to get through to the other side. The other thing, and we see this in in numbers a few times is that water plays a big role and in the desert, but also in the wilderness, water is a necessity for life. And wherever we find it, it's a great blessing or a great miracle or however we describe it. But but a source of life in the desert is something we really <laughs> think about as an oasis or a miracle, as we see multiple times in this book.
0: Thank you for that fantastic geographical backdrop to what's to come over the coming weeks maybe just honing in the Talmud in Nedarim 55a 8 to 9 i know picks up on a verse in Bamidbar 21 18 so in a few chapters time where it says from the wilderness to matana which obviously the play on words, I think, that the Talmud there has, matana literally meaning a gift. What does it say there in that passage, picking up on this play on words? And can you maybe expand on the significance that you see?
1: Sure. I was actually reading a book yesterday that, that had a quote at the beginning from Dante. And it said, along the journey of our life halfway, I found myself again in a dark wood where in the straight road no longer lay. I have not studied Dante. (laughs) I did not know that verse well. And I read it and I thought what a a kind of a shared reading for the moment we enter the wilderness in the Torah of readings. Usually the inverse happens where I read something in the Torah and, and life comes to it. But in this way, it was almost the reverse where I read something outside and it brought life to where we are in the Torah reading. I think when we don't have a clear path forward, when the road becomes circuitous and windy, and there's all kinds of obstacles in front of us, we often think of that as cursed as something challenging that we would rather avoid. And many of us would prefer to avoid obstacles in our route. We like the easiest path forward. But I think what the Talmud is picking up here, and also the Midrash, is that this sense of being stuck in the wilderness or the journey through the wilderness is what makes the Jewish people special, what brings to our narrative such richness. And texture, and the idea that struggle can be a gift—that we can gain all kinds of perspective through challenging situations—is a lot of what the Torah is about. That nobody's perfect; we all struggle and have challenges and obstacles. But there's meaning to be found if we take a second to reflect and think a little bit about what it is the obstacle. In, what is the obstacle in front of us, and how are we different, changed? How do we grow from those experiences? Are we more empathic? Do we have more patience? How do we become better people through these challenging moments? And I think that's a real gift. And it's why you gain wisdom as you get older.
0: Look forward to some of that for sure. From Dante, if I may, to the French poet Edmond Jabès, who refers to the Jews as a desert people. I also think he picks up on another play on words, perhaps, between Davar, word, and Midbar, desert. Do you agree with his assessment of the Jews as a desert people and going one step beyond that the desert is an appropriate place in that silence to find words.
1: For sure. I think that history has shown that's true, right? As Jews have been exiled and forced out and continued to migrate to different places over our history. But it's also the place where Jews became Jews or people of the covenant, where we joined into this covenant of God and receiving the Torah in the wilderness. But I think the, just last week, there was, I was studying Bihar, the partial last week, and one, I found a commentary from Bachi ibn Pakuda, the 11th century commentator from Spain. And he said that Bihar teaches that we should always be ready to move on and relocate, and we should never feel settled and secure. And I I was, it was a very, it's a very strange thing, because it's, Opposite of what most of us want. We want to feel settled. We want to feel secure. But I think it, it almost resonates in a way that made me think of Sukkot, which is actually my favorite holiday. And I think it's my favorite holiday because it reminds us of our fragility. We're not supposed to get too allure, like we're not supposed to have an illusion that our homes are safe or that nothing can happen to us or we're, you know, infallible. Sukkot reminds us that life is very fragile, so does the desert. And it also reminds us that we should focus on what's important. We don't have much in the desert. All we can focus on, perhaps, is the people around us that give meaning to life. It's not possessions that give meaning to life. It's really the things that bring us joy are intangible the love of friends and family, of children. And I think that. In this idea of being a desert people, it's partly not having that safety and security that can lure us into false thinking, but it's also this idea that we can focus on what really matters. We're resilient, right? We get through a hard thing. We do it together. Just maybe picking up on some of the core
0: themes that we encounter in the book of B'midbo as a whole, there are plenty of trials and tribulations that both the people, leadership, Moses go through. What do you really see as the central messages of the book?
1: I think as I I went down like my own rabbit hole there, I think finishing that thought maybe a little more concisely is that the desert has us focused on community and being together. And I think that's actually one of the main themes of the Book of Numbers, of Bamidbar. There's all kinds of experiences we have, trials and tribulations. Miriam gets sarats, gets leprosy of some kind, and it gets connected midrashically to her speaking ill about Sipora. And Moses and saying, why would you marry a Kushite woman? There's this idea in Parshat Naso where this idea called li- limol ma'al that we betray the trust of others and God and that we know from our tradition, the only way to r- repair the trust between people is between people. We can't go to God asking for forgiveness between people. We have Caleb and Joshua going out and coming back with a report. And almost all the scouts are super negative, And they deliver this negative message. And we see the power of positivity in Caleb and then Joshua. We have Korah having no faith in community and just going against Moses and the leaders. And we have all of these things that are superhuman. We could find corollaries to all of them in our modern world where people still talk ill of each other, right? <laughs> people still betray each other's trust. People still are super negative when it's possible to be positive and have a better outlook. Um, People are still trying to uproot movements and even movements that are just. Sometimes perhaps rebellion is a good thing, but in Korach's case, or as our tradition tells, not really. I think there's a really wonderful teaching from Rabbi Soloveitchik about does does an individual stand above the community, which they to serve its needs, or does the individual subordinate themselves to the community's needs? And Rabbi Solovichik's answer is that it's a it's a balance, right? And I think that's the message of but Midbar here is that there's moments of individuality and there's moments of community, and these things have to be in a delicate balance with each other. And I think that's not just a relevant teaching for, you know, in a Torah study. I think that's really a relevant teaching for our world today. In a world of such individuality, where community can often be countercultural, the delicate balance of these two things is actually quite important for us to be aware of and think about, and how we act has a effect on the world around us, whether that's just our family or our extended family or our friend network or our community or whatever it is, our actions have ripple effects. And we see that time and again throughout the book of Numbers. And hopefully the message is that those actions can be used for good, not just bad, that our positive actions can affect the world around us in a positive way.
0: So many seeds there for future Parashat. Maybe just finally reflecting again as a whole, the kind of areas that you see the similarities and also the differences from what has come before. We come obviously from Vayikra, which is such a condensed, focused series of series of episodes. Perhaps there there's more linkage like really in in the chain between Shemot and Bamidbar in, in so many ways, in picking up like a lot of the narrative again that is really missing in so much of Vayikra. What do you see of the kind of trends um, that have come before and the kind of innovation that emerges out of Bamid?
1: Yeah, I think that for sure the narrative gets broken up by, by Vayikra, by Leviticus, and also by Devarim at the end, by Deuteronomy it could probably go pretty smoothly. Exodus, Numbers, Joshua. But what we see in Leviticus and Deuteronomy for that matter is a much more ideological storytelling. Sometimes it's not even storytelling, it's just listing of laws or curses and blessings or how you're supposed to behave. I think the beauty of Genesis is that it's our creation myth. Through and through, right? It's literally the creation of the world, but also the creation of the Jewish people a few chapters later, and then into depth of our patriarchs and matriarchs. When we get to Exodus and Numbers, it becomes a very narrative storytelling. We learn through all of these imperfect, fallible people. And it's not just the people on our side, the good people, it's also Pharaoh. We learn a lot from studying Pharaoh and comparing Pharaoh to to rulers that we know from history. I think that what's so appealing about Exodus, about numbers, is that this narrative is so intimately human. We can see ourselves, even in ancient stories that are in a world we have a hard time fully grasping, we can still see the failures in ourselves, right? When Moses strikes the rock because he just wants water to come out of that rock, <laughs> we know that frustration when we want something, but it's just not happening, or it's happening too slowly, or our kids push our buttons just the right way, and all of a sudden, we we snap. We we understand those human moments that that the Torah is full of, and that Exodus and Numbers particularly are full of, but they overcome them. It's a growth. It's not just stagnation, it's learning as we go. And I think that for me personally, having holy scripture that is filled with people who are not flawless heroes, but are instead people with a lot of texture and complication really brings the books to life and makes them so meaningful year after year throughout our whole lives that we always find different little pieces to pick up on. And so as we go forward in numbers, as I know we're opening up in the podcast this week, this this, this bar, I hope people will look for those moments of humanity, those moment, those moments that we really relate to the emotions that we see in the text, and think about how we might grow, grow from them. We go through the wilderness of life, and I think that's why this book is so attractive to study is because we're all going through the wilderness. Any adult that thinks they have it figured out, you should be wary of, because most of us know we're in the wilderness and we're figuring it out day by day. And that's what makes this book so appealing.
0: Rabbi Alex, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your words and thoughts for Bhamidba from your wilderness. In Santa Monica. I'm not sure Santa Monica is a wilderness but certainly far away from the London wilderness. Wonderful to have you with us and look forward to picking up on many of the seeds that you have planted as we journey through.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, do please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do check out more of our exciting content that we have for you on our mothership JewishQuest.org. And we do look forward to meeting again next week.